What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson, and we got some coaching updates for the New York Giants today. Mike Kafka expected to stay with the New York Giants in 2024, according to Jordan Rannon of ESPN. I read another report, I think it was Giant Insider, said the reported tension between Brian Dable and Mike Kafka, he's heard that it's not true and that they are on good terms and they're fine and solid and ready to go into 2024, work together to try and win some football games for the Giants. Now, this is pretty significant because, of course, we know Mike Kafka was in the running, was a finalist for the Seattle Seahawks head coaching job. He didn't get it. They went with Mike McDonald. We talked about that a little bit in yesterday's episode here. Um, But ultimately, with Kafka staying with the New York Giants, there was an opportunity there where he could have made some sort of lateral move. There was a lot of rumors that he was unhappy and might have tried to find an OC job elsewhere, but instead he's going to maintain his position with the New York Giants as the offensive coordinator, and we have some thoughts and opinions about that. I think that there's pros to this. I think that there's cons to this. Obviously, we've seen a lot of fans on social media who are pretty upset about it. We've seen others who are a little bit more level-headed, so we're going to go ahead and dive into that react to the Kafka news, but also the defensive coordinator search. That's not going so well. We talked at length yesterday about Denard Wilson and how the New York Giants were kind of zeroing in on him, had him in for a second interview. A lot of the reporters were saying he was their top finalist for the job, and ultimately, he decided to go elsewhere taking on a job with the Tennessee Titans as their next defensive coordinator, foregoing the opportunity to coach in the Big Apple for the New York Giants. So now the defensive coordinator search got that much more complicated with the Giants' top selection now off the board. Who will they target? Well, we'll go ahead and kind of round up the list of names that they've already interviewed and maybe throw out a couple others that we think they should interview but haven't quite yet. Um, Even though Joe Shane said he wants to get that hiring wrapped up by the end of the week, I have to imagine Denard Wilson going elsewhere extends the the amount of time that he's going to take to find that DC. But yeah, we're going to go ahead and talk about all these coaching updates and everything else surrounding the New York Giants um, in today's episode. But before we do so, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you're listening to Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? And what is your reaction to Mike Kafka choosing to stay with the New York Giants? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. And look, Mike Kafka staying with the Giants is, I know a lot of people are about to say things like, we wanted him gone. We want a new offensive coordinator. We want a new offense. We want this. We want that. But the truth is, grass is not always greener, my friends. Who is the guy that you want to replace Mike Kafka with? That's the first question I'll ask you. Um, the Giants are last in line right now, apparently, for whoever they want. Um, it clearly, I don't know if, they're, if, if coaches don't want to come to the Giants. You know, I'm not sure about that. But it doesn't seem to me they're dying to sign up with us. I mean, we just saw, of course, Denard Wilson go to the Tennessee Titans. And Tennessee's situation is certainly not as good. Uh, or maybe they're just as good. Maybe they're just as bad. <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, Denard Wilson could have gotten promoted to stay with the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, but he didn't even wait to find out. He jumped on the first opportunity um, to go with the Titans and the Giants now. And Joe Shane said earlier this week they wanted to figure out the D.C. position uh, this week, by the end of this week. And clearly, that doesn't seem to be possible since all their candidates are falling by the wayside and falling out of contention. So uh, we wonder, you know, what, what does the future look like for the Giants at the D.C. position? But at offensive coordinator, we do have one retention. And look... As much as I think our offense was awful last year, as much as I think Mike Kafka struggled to a degree, as much as I think that another option could have been better, I do think that some that there has to be some sort of value in retention and our offense not having to learn a whole nother system. And Daniel Jones, if they're going to go with him, 
We don't know what the future looks like just yet in that regard. But if they're going to stick with Daniel Jones, do you really want to give Daniel Jones a fourth freaking offense in five years? You know what I mean? You're basically dooming him. Like, look, that's the truth, man. Like, if Daniel Jones, if that's the guy they stick with in 2024, and look, you guys know who I want. I love Jaden Daniels. You know Anthony loves Drake May. You know a lot of you guys have your own preferences over Daniel Jones. But the truth of the matter is if they stick with him, um, and maybe this is an indication that they want to keep Mike Kafka because of that, um, if they stick with Daniel Jones – They need to keep the offense the same. They need to keep the verbiage the same. They need to keep developing on top of what they've already established because if you reset the offense, you lose Mike Kafka, Daniel Jones, you still stick with Daniel Jones, and he comes back, not only is he coming off an ACL tear, but he doesn't know the freaking offense, and he's going to have basically minimal time in training camp to actually get to work in it, right? Because he's still rehabilitating from an ACL tear, and he's an injury away on his neck from potentially his career ending. They're going to take it really slow with him. They're going to be cautious. He's not going to have that much time to work into the offense during training camp, possibly. Installing a whole new offense would basically screw the entire team next year. The Giants can't afford to have that. I think like that's kind of my take at this point in time. However, in a perfect world, of course, like I'd love to get a new quarterback, get the best offensive coordinator possible, but like we're not living in this realm. We're living in the realm where the Giants stink and we have to figure out how to uh, maneuver around coaches leaving, departing, resigning, leaving because they hate Brian Dable, leaving because they hate the coaching. You know what I mean? Like that's the world we live in, my friends, and it's freaking awful and I hate being here with you guys, but this is the, this is the cards that we were dealt and you have to navigate that. So, Anthony, when you're looking at the situation, Mike Kafka – uh, kind of staying here, what impact do you think that has? Why do you think that is? The Giants clearly, they could have moved on. They could have let him go. They could have said, you know what? We don't want, if you don't want to be here, we don't want you. He's currently at the Senior Bowl coaching up some of those kids, getting invaluable information about the draft. Um, you know, what do you think the value of him staying is? Obviously, there's a lot of value to him potentially leaving. A lot of people would love to see him go, but I'm not, I'm not actually that upset with him staying because, like, if you're going to stay with Daniel Jones, you might as well try to compete. And if you turn over the offense again and you change the personnel and you change the scheme, you're screwed in 2024, guys. You want to be competitive? You can kiss that dream goodbye if that's what happens. Yeah, I'm going to react to what you said. Uh, minor correction, he's at the Shrine Bowl coaching. Lesser profile prospects, Senior Bowl with more of those day one to two, more day two to three at the Shrine Bowl. So that's minor. But with Mike Kafka, one of the things that you said that stood out to me, you said, who is the guy that Giants fans want to replace Mike Kafka um, if he were to have left? I will throw out what my answer would have been if he departed. Brian Dable. It would have been Brian Dable. I wanted him. I, you know, I advocated for this a little while ago, Alex. If, if uh, Mike Kafka leaves, I wanted Brian Dable to take more control of the offense, be the offensive coordinator with the play sheet, call the plays, and run that offense as his own while being the head coach. And I know that there are some fans who have reservations to that because while Brian Dable's clock management wasn't always the best this past season, his decision-making wasn't always the best, and there is an argument to be made where giving him more responsibility is could be counterproductive but in my opinion I think that some of the best coaches in the NFL if you want to bring up Shanahan as an example McVay as another example a lot of these best coaches in the NFL call their own plays on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball for those coaches who are more defensive minded like a Mike Rabel calls defensive plays um, but you know when you're looking at these really great uh, offenses Cincinnati Bengals, their head coach calls the plays. Buffalo Bills, not not quite. Um, obviously, Brian Dable used to call the plays there, and we saw what he did with Josh Allen. But I just think that Brian Dable needs to take more control of this offense, and I do fear that if this offense doesn't take that step forward, Brian Dable could 
and eventually by the end of the year lose his job because he didn't take more control of the offense and and that is a fear that I have so that's kind of what my solution to this problem would have been if if Mike Kafka did leave it would have I know that they would have obviously promoted Shea Tierney into OC that's what they the the rumors and reports were saying is that Shea Tierney would have taken the offense coordinator job but I think that Brian Dable needs to call more plays or at least take more control of the offense, in my opinion. It's his playbook. It's his offense. It's his personnel. This is his team, and he needs to run it that way. And I would have actually been really excited by the opportunity to see him kind of do both head coach and offensive coordinator. But that's not the reality that we're living in. As you mentioned, we're in the realm of reality here where Mike Kafka is still the offensive coordinator. So what kind of impact does that have, Alex, is what you asked me. Well, I'll kind of spit out a few things that come to mind. I remember during the regular season when we were discussing the future of the Giants quarterback position, we kind of mentioned if they do end up firing Mike Kafka and they find a new OC, young guy to call new plays, just a brand new face to bring into the organization, that would indicate to me that they're also going to bring in a new quarterback. Uh, But now with Mike Kafka coming back, what I said back then and what I'm going to say now indicates to me that they want to keep continuity on offense. So it could indicate that this is a move to make sure that Daniel Jones has that stability. We've heard a lot of conversations about Daniel Jones, new offensive coordinator every year, every two years, new offensive linemen. Everything's always constantly changing. New head coaches. Nothing's ever been constant for Daniel Jones. And then we know that when this regime came in, they said that they wanted to keep a level of continuity for Daniel Jones while they were here. So, of course, Mike Kafka stays, um, and they want to make sure that... I I think that this could indicate to some that they're trying to replicate what they did in 2022 with Daniel Jones. Run it back, see if they can get that out of him again, maybe build on that when he's fully healthy. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not going to draft a quarterback, but I do think that there's a lot of other players and personnel on this roster that need the continuity. I think Wandale Robinson was finding his groove in this offense that was led by Mike Kafka. So keeping Mike Kafka helps him continue his development and doesn't stunt it in any way. Same for Jalen Hyatt. Same for Andrew Thomas has played really well since Mike Kafka's been here. Um, And I know that's more, you could point that to the position coaches, but there is a lot baked into the scheme that dictates how the pass protection goes. And it has favored Andrew Thomas and allowed him to play even better over these past two seasons under Mike Kafka. So I do think that there are benefits to this. I think that there are pros. um, And one of the main ones being this guy doesn't hate Brian Dable. That's a good takeaway from this, right? Because we know that, of course, Wink Martindale hated his guts, was trying to run a coop behind his back, and had a little Illuminati of defensive coaches that were trying to come for Brian Dable's spot. And then he screamed at Brian Dable, cursed him out, slammed slammed the table, and slammed the door on the way out. That was Wink Martindale's response to the idea of continuing to be a coach on Brian Dable's staff. Mike Kafka doesn't have the same response. Instead, he's down at the Shrine Bowl doing additional coaching, doing additional scouting for the New York Giants, and expecting to come back and continue to help Brian Dable win games next year. So that's a positive takeaway from this. Had the Giants lost all three of their coordinators this offseason, of course, firing Thomas McGahee's special teams, Wink Martindale quitting, and then also losing Mike Kafka it wouldn't have looked good on Brian Dable. would have been a stain on his resume. would have said, okay, nobody wants to work for this guy. But I do think this is important that Mike Kafka is essentially saying, I like Brian Dable and I like working for him. Maybe Wink Martindale doesn't, but I do. So I'm going to continue to work for him. That's important to me. That's my biggest takeaway from this whole thing is that Brian Dable was able to retain one of his coordinators and he hasn't been able to retain the other two, but at least he's retaining one of them. And if you want to pick which one of these three has the most interest from other teams in the league, it's by far Mike Kafka. 
Guys, I mean, guys, he's getting head coaching interviews left and right. He was a finalist for the Seattle Seahawks. He is highly thought of in this league. I know the Giants fans don't think of him too highly right now because, yes, the 2023 season was an absolute disaster. But at the same time, it was a disaster for the first half of the year. And in the second half of the year, they were picking up wins down the stretch upsetting teams with Tommy DeVito and Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. I know we give Brian Dable a lot of credit for that. God damn it, give Mike Kafka his flowers too. He had a play in that as well. Like, he helped Tommy DeVito develop and win games. You can't say that he didn't. So, Mike Kafka deserves a little bit of credit and respect. I think other NFL teams are recognizing that. That's why he's getting these head coaching interviews. And right now, the fans aren't recognizing that because they are upset by the way that the 2023 season went. And I understand that. But ultimately... This is a guy that's really high, highly thought of in this league. He's st- he's staying back with the New York Giants this year to continue working a relationship with Brian Dable. I think that's really important. Is he the perfect offensive coordinator? Is he everything that we ever dreamed he would be? Probably not, but there are a lot of positives to his game. We gave, we gave him a lot of praise for that 2022 season. He really did work up a masterclass in that wild card round against the Minnesota Vikings with Brian Dable. I know it's a collaborative effort between the two of them, but Mike Kafka was calling the plays in that postseason uh, and did a damn good job on the road in Minnesota against the Vikings. So there's a lot of positives to this, Alex. Those are kind of the ones that I can think of. Yeah, there's negatives to it as well, and I understand that. But really, I think that a lot of this is just kind of Giants fans losing the perspective of other teams' fans and how they feel about Mike Kafka. It seems to me that around the NFL, Mike Kafka is really highly thought of. Other teams, their fans are like, okay, I'm interested. I want him as head coach. Those other teams are literally vying for him as their head coach. And Giants fans are like, okay, goodbye, good riddance. I don't think that that's an accurate way to portray how good of a coach Mike Kafka is. I just think Giants fans are a little bit caught up in the moment here, a little bit bitter and upset about how bad the 2023 season was, and rightfully so. But Mike Kafka, at the end of the day, I think is a pretty good coach. Um, And again, I think that's evidenced by how many teams wanted to hire him as a head coach. Absolutely. I mean, I want to kind of talk about what you referenced earlier with Brian Dayball um, taking over as the OC. My concerns are as follows. As you said, the clock management was spotty in general. I don't trust him to be able to do multiple things at one time. I mean, the more we see it, the more we hear about it, he's a hothead, right? Like, he gets, like, really, really intense on the sidelines. Sometimes he loses focus. Sometimes he yells at his coordinators. Like, uh, I think that ultimately that's problematic. Um, you know, this is this is the reports. I'm just basing it off of what we've seen, what we've heard from the, from the media. But um, if that is true... I don't trust him to be able to call an offense and manage the clock and manage, like, you know, just, just the, the flow of players going, coming in and out. He needs a quality control coach, right? First and foremost, needs a quality con- control coach. Is he willing to give up that responsibility? You know, is he willing? Because it sounds like he wants all the power. He wants all the responsibility. Is he willing to give up some of that um, to have more of a collaborative situation where, you know, they can manage the clock better and he can obviously manage the offense? Now, my question is, um, at the, you know, when it comes to him actually calling plays, him actually running this offense, are we confident right now that he is going to manage to call an offense good enough with Daniel Jones at quarterback, right? I think that's really what you have to ask yourselves. Um, we managed to, in 2022, mask a lot of Jones' weaknesses by playing a lot of, uh, calling a lot of play action. And that, thankfully, you know, Saquon Barkley played essentially the whole season and, we were able to use his, you know, use Saquon Barkley's uh, the attention he he draws to open up the passing game. 
if you lose Saquon Barkley, you can forget about using play action, right? No one's gonna, no one's gonna buy our, our into our running game. No one's gonna is is gonna trust um, or fear our rushing attack. So it's gonna come down to Daniel Jones coming off an ACL tear and one injury away from his career ending to operate a high octane passing game in which Brian Dable did with Josh Allen, who's like tier one B below Patrick Mahomes in terms of quarterbacking, right? Like that's that is not realistic. Like, I don't think that maybe it's maybe Brian Dable does a better job than Mike Kafka, but there's no way anyone's going to convince me that this offense without Saquon Barkley, you know, with no wide receiver one um, or no established WR one, even if we draft the guy, we don't know how his impact in year one is going to be an above average offense, right? Like, especially if our if our schedule is difficult. So I'm concerned we don't have the right personnel to even have a good offense. You know, it's not just about the play caller. Right, it's not just about the plays that are called. It's just it's 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 also about the roster construction. We don't have a top receiver. Darren Waller is an injury waiting to happen. Our offensive line, while I pray to God gets better, is still one of the worst, if not the worst, in football. Right, until proven otherwise, I am not going to sit here and tell you this offensive line is going to be good in 2024. I'm tired of talking about optimistic um, things. Oh, we're going to be better here. We're going to do better there. I'm not buying it anymore. We are ass until we are proven otherwise. So that's kind of where I sit. Um, you know, Anthony, how, how do you feel about the idea that it doesn't matter who the hell's plowing plays, our offensive line is still dog, our freaking receivers are still very questionable, we don't have enough talent there, our quarterback is still shaky, coming off an ACL tear, you know, Darren Waller's an injury waiting to happen, like, you know, we can, we can put all the blame on Mike Kafka, guys, but the truth is our, our roster is bad, our offensive construction is poor, we don't have enough talent, we don't have a good offensive line, we don't have pass protection, we don't run block well, we may lose Saquon Barkley, you know? How do you combat that? Play calling is not going to fix that. You know what I mean? You need actual freaking talent. We don't have enough. So my question now is what position on offense do you have to overturn? What can you do on offense to improve this unit enough where whoever the hell is calling plays next year actually can operate an offense that isn't bottom of the league, right? So that's where the draft comes into play. That's where free agency comes into play. The Giants need to win this draft class. They have to have a tremendous draft class this year. If they if they freaking don't hit on a couple of these offensive players, we are going to be really bad again. That's kind of my personal take. We have to have a good draft class. Um, I know you probably feel the same way. The Giants need to get some really good talent in this draft. Otherwise, I think we're staring at the same situation. You could have anybody calling plays on this offense. You just can't do it. You don't have a lot. Uh, you don't have enough talent. Yeah, I agree and I disagree. So I'll say I agree to an extent. I think that the Giants had more talent than what they appeared to have this past season. I think that they underperformed and underwhelmed pretty badly. Like going into the year, the games where Darren Waller was 100% healthy. I mean, I don't know if he was ever 100%, but the games where he was healthy, there were there was a lack of plays drawn up for him. I mean, think about Week two versus Arizona, obviously that second half was sick and they won that game and Daniel Jones had a great performance in the second half. But in that first half, remember how they kind of like marched down the field and ran the ball, even in week one, first two weeks of the season, they ran the ball all the way down the field. And then they just go with like three straight passing plays in the red zone that go nowhere. And then they turn the ball over and then it just all gets out of hand. And then the next drive, all they do is throw and they just abandon the running game. That wasn't because of a lack of personnel. That was because of a lack of good play calling. And I, I don't know, you know, I think it was Mike Kafka calling those plays the first couple weeks of the season. And that's when I started to become critical of him. He kept establishing a run game and then absolutely 100% abandoning it for like no good reason at all. And that's been a problem of his. So 
I'm not saying that Mike Kafka is some elite offensive coordinator. He has his flaws, and he definitely made mistakes this past season. But in moments like that, that wasn't a lack of personnel. That was a lack of good coaching from Mike Kafka. And I think in the second half of the year, he got a lot better at balancing the game plan, and he had more of a balanced approach. They were running and they were throwing, and they were doing that well. Um, But in the beginning half of the season, there was some sort of quality control that wasn't you know, there. Um, And even though they do have assistance on the staff for quality control, something was happening where either he and Dable were miscommunicating, they were throwing the ball when they clearly shouldn't have been, they were running the ball when they clearly shouldn't have been. So something was off in that first half of the year. And maybe it's because they didn't really practice too well uh, in training camp. Maybe it's because the preseason, they didn't have their starters out there. There could be a few reasons why, but that's, to me, tells me that there was a coaching problem and not a personnel problem. Uh, That's just my take on it. And while so that's why I say I agree to an extent, but I do mostly agree because, yeah, this team is an elite playmaker away. They are two to three good offensive linemen away. They are a quarterback away, and being a quarterback away is the furthest away you possibly can be in this NFL. And that's a quarterback away, whether you're talking about Daniel Jones and you believe in him or not. Right now he's injured, so they do need somebody to step in and play games if he can't be ready for week one. So they are still a quarterback away, regardless of whether or not you think Daniel Jones is the future of this team. But when you're asking me... How do they rebuild this offense? Like, what would be that spark? What is that main need that stands out? It would be finding that game-changing elite quarterback. However, that is so much easier said than done. And that's a good argument that you have to consider when you're talking about whether or not the Giants are going to draft a quarterback in the first round this year. If they feel like it's a guy who could Josh Allen this team and, you know, reignite it and uh, basically give them the spark to be perennial playoff contenders, yeah, then they're going to want to take a quarterback. If they don't think that there's a Josh Allen in this class, then they're not going to take a quarterback and they're going to get an elite playmaker, which is another huge need for them. They have needs all across the board. That's what Joe Shane said earlier this week. I agree with him. They do have a lot of needs on this team. So that's why I said to an extent I I agree and I don't agree because personnel is a problem. They need better players on this team. There needs to be more talent. But at the same time, there was a coaching problem for about half of the year where the players that were on the field weren't being utilized properly. So it's a little bit of both. There wasn't good players. There wasn't good coaching. Ultimately, that's why we had a bad season. When the coaching was good, though, again, in the second half of the year, Tommy DeVito stepped in and started kicking ass and winning games. So it's a give and a take here. But the Giants need to kind of prioritize both of those things. Make sure that they become more consistent in their offensive game planning and their play calling, and also make sure that they find themselves more talent on the offensive side of the ball. Also, to clarify one other thing that you mentioned in terms of Brian Dable having a quality control um, coach on his staff, he does. It's Caden Knox. He's the offensive assistant slash manager. And if you read about what he uh, kind of does, he use, he's on the sidelines or in the booth, whatever, um, and works closely with Brian Dable to help him use analytics as part of his in-game decision-making. Uh, he meets with their team director of football data and innovation every week um, to plan for the upcoming game and potential situations with Brian Dable. So they actually do have a quality control coach but I think that would be more so that one report that we read from Pat Leonard that said they would kind of discuss what they were going to do and Brian Dable would overrule them and do the opposite that's probably what the problem was this season so more so Brian Dable being hot-headed and not listening to these assistants because these assistants are there they are on the staff and they do exist now whether or not they're doing a good job I can't say because I'm not there on the sidelines but I do know that the Giants didn't do a good job in those situations this year so it's either Brian Dable wasn't listening to his assistants or his assistants are giving him the wrong information he hasn't fired them though so I think he's recognizing okay this was my fault and not my assistant's fault but we'll see how it goes in the 2024 season but yeah man I think that this offense has a 
lot of room for improvement, and I think it will improve if they get the right pieces in place. Whether they go quarterback at six, whether they go Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunes, Brock Bowers, they're in a prime position at number six to fix this offense, at least in some capacity, so they better go ahead and freaking do it. I think it's got to be offense at number six, man. It, it, like, obviously, to me, I, I don't think you can address the defensive side of the ball at number six if you're the New York Giants this offseason because you just have way too many needs on offense um, and paramount to them being a special quarterback. Once you get that, it masks a lot of your other needs in many, many ways. I mean, even Alex, this is the last thing I'll say on the quarterback thing before we kind of have a quick discussion on defensive coordinators. Earlier this season, like when we were in the middle of the season and this team was really bad and we were saying, okay, it's time to move on from Daniel Jones. We had a lot of people on these comments saying, look at Patrick Mahomes. He's struggling so badly because he doesn't have anybody to throw to. And you want me to believe that Daniel Jones could succeed with this group of playmakers? And everybody was like, Okay, but this group of playmakers is arguably better than the receivers that Patrick Mahomes has. Patrick Mahomes is in the freaking Super Bowl. It's an elite quarterback, elevates the team. This is the worst receiving core that he's ever played with, and he's back in the Super Bowl anyway. Now, I get it. He's Patrick Mahomes. He's generational. He's arguably the GOAT at this point. Everybody wants to put him in that conversation. He's one of the best quarterbacks ever. I understand. I get all that, but still. I had a lot of guys commenting at me, yelling at me, hurting my feelings, not really, but just saying stuff to me and saying Daniel Jones can't succeed here. Patrick Mahomes couldn't succeed with the New York Giants. And I think Patrick Mahomes being in the damn Super Bowl right now tells you that if he was on this Giants team, he at least would have made the freaking playoffs. He could have won some more games. That That's that. And I had a lot of guys telling me that he couldn't have made the playoffs with this team. It's just not true. He could have. So a game-changing franchise, elite generational quarterback changes your entire team, elevates those around you makes you a Super Bowl contender even when you're not one. That's what a quarterback can do for you. That's my take on it. But now I want to talk about the defensive coordinator spot, unless you had something to add there, Alex. I just want to say that if you can't picture Daniel Jones beating Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, right, and I and I sure as hell cannot see that, we should not have Daniel Jones in the future. If you can't see, because that's who you're going to have to go up against. If you're the Giants fan and you think Daniel Jones is our future, can you picture him beating Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl? No Excuse my language. I'm going to crush it. No fucking way. No fucking way. There's no way that you're going to that you're ever going to convince me that Daniel Jones is beating Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl if Josh Allen can't beat him with that type of talent with Stephon Diggs and James Cook and a great offense. And you know, I know their defense isn't as good, but listen, you have to take if the Giants have a chance to take a quarterback that has elite upside that could potentially even compete in the playoffs at a high level one day, you got to take a chance. That's the truth. You got to keep trying to find that guy. I'm just going to counterattack and say if Josh Allen can't do it, who the hell can? I don't know if anybody right. can beat Patrick right. Mahomes in the Super Bowl. That's the only the one thing. who did was Tom Brady. Um, you know, Tom Brady beat him in the Super Bowl. That's that's the difference. The Giants don't have Tom Brady. Nobody has Tom Brady. Nobody has Patrick Mahomes. Um, so that that's what I will say is I don't think that I can envision any quarterback in the NFL. I'm taking Daniel the Jones Chiefs beat Josh Allen. But could, no, could, could he be that's Josh a Allen, better argument. Lamar Jackson? That's better. No, that's better. That is a better <laughs> right. argument. If it came down yeah. to the Super Bowl and Brock Purdy, you know, yes, yeah, I think Brock Purdy would give Daniel Jones the work, which is <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> that's that's where I stand now. It's like that's my argument. If you can't see him beating any of the guys in the postseason in the quarterfinals or the semis, if Daniel Jones can't beat any of those guys in the playoffs. You can't visualize it. He is not the future. And also. I, you guys know my stance. I'm not even going to keep going. It is what it is. He beat Kirk Cousins, though. Please. 
please. <laughs> stop. Okay. Stop there. <laughs> he beat okay. Kirk Cousins, but let's not pretend like the Vikings didn't have the worst defense we've ever seen on earth in that game. Yeah, yeah no, the, that Vikings defense was historically bad. It really was. But listen, great performance from the New York Giants. Awesome performance from Daniel Jones. He made plays in that game that I never envisioned he would ever make. So I do. I will always give him credit. That was a phenomenal performance from Daniel Jones. But that doesn't mean that Case Keenum didn't also have phenomenal playoff performances and Matt Flynn didn't have a six-touchdown game once in the playoffs. You got to do it every day, man. You got to do it every week. Daniel Jones does it once every year. He's got to do it every freaking week or at least every every two weeks. You know, you can't disappear yeah. for 10 weeks of the season and then have one good half against Arizona and everyone's like, oh, my God, look, he's Jesus again. It's not how it goes. You got to be consistent in the NFL to win these games. I agree with you. I feel bad because now we're kind of ragging on Daniel Jones unnecessarily here. But the last thing that I want to say is I was on Twitter this week and I saw someone post this like two and a half minute highlight video of Daniel Jones. And among the clips were him throwing a key block on a screen pass that he threw into like quadruple coverage. Um, And then another one (laughs) was like literally a a three, three step drop hitch and 15 yard pass to the sideline. And I was like, that is not a highlight for 99% of starting quarterbacks, like that is just a normal routine play. If that's what we're pinpointing as highlights for Daniel Jones, either Giants fans really don't know ball or Daniel Jones is just got you guys in a blender right now. I I don't know, but I want to digress from this and talk about something else. I think a lot of people are probably screaming at us uh, on the keyboard right now talking about Daniel Jones, but let's talk about Denard Wilson choosing not to be with the New York Giants. I think one of the things that you said at the beginning of this episode that stood out to me was the Titans are about the same level team as the New York Giants, and I think I would agree with that. So him choosing to leave to go coach the Titans instead probably means that their new head coach, honestly, it's, it's slipping my mind. I don't remember who they hired. But either he met with him and he really liked him, uh, and that's why he wanted to go there. Or simply put, he didn't want to go to the New York Giants. That's also a possibility. But then again, he didn't stay in Baltimore, so I'm not really sure what his reasoning was for going to Tennessee. Maybe the head coach there just gave him a really good sales pitch, and that's why he wanted to go ahead and coach for the Titans. Uh, I'll say, though, it does... Brian Callahan, that's right. That's Cincinnati Bengals' former quarterback's coach, right? Yeah. And then, so, that makes sense. Um, He's a smart guy. Uh, but I think going forward now, it's going to be interesting to see how the Giants pivot here. And so that's kind of where I want to wrap the discussion, Alex, and ask you who are some of these candidates still available for the New York Giants that you think that either they are considering or maybe that they're not and you think that they should be considering. I mean, look, the, the truth is, is like the, the options are coming off the board pretty fast. I don't really even know some of these guys that we're going to be interviewing now, but I know you're, you're a big proponent of Leslie Frazier. A lot of people will say, I don't want Leslie Frazier. You know, he wasn't good with Buffalo. Um, but listen, there's, here's the difference between the two. One has proven success, even if he has a couple seasons worth, some of it not as good as others. The other, the other option that we're probably going to have to go with is someone who has no experience, no experience at all. So you're taking a guy with experience, you know, that can work with what we have, that knows how to call plays, has the comfortability, or you go with a guy that's never done it and it's a, it's a gamble, right? You're gambling on it. You're, you're rolling the dice. Can he be good? Can he manage it? Can he survive? Um, so, you know, if you, if you're more risky, maybe you want to go with a guy that has, uh, less experience or no experience at all as a defensive coordinator, or you go with a guy like Leslie Frazier, add him to the mix and see what comes down the other side. So right now, like, to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure the Giants, the news has came out that the Giants have interviewed the guy they end up hiring. It's totally possible for what it's worth that they may be waiting until the Super Bowl is over. Maybe they're trying to get someone from, uh, Kansas City, trying to get somebody 
uh, from the 49ers, the, the, the Shanahan tree, or get someone that's working under his spags, who's now good, uh, up for his, what, fourth Super Bowl win or something like that? Mm-hmm. Fifth? Like, he's he's going to set the record for the most Super Bowl wins as defensive coordinator. Um, you know, obviously he was with the Giants many years ago and was great. But, you know, maybe the Giants are targeting someone from that tree. So we'll see what happens. I think that there are options, maybe ones that we haven't heard just yet. I can't pinpoint the names right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants would wait a little bit longer after the Super Bowl to see what happens. However, Joe Shane did say he wanted to have it wrapped up this week. He probably thought they were going to get Denard Wilson. He probably thought that somebody else was going to shake free, shake loose, and that hasn't happened. So I don't think that unless they unless they settle for the only available option, one or two guys on the board, um, I don't think that we're going to see them uh, you know, hire DC this week, but maybe in the next couple. Yeah, so a couple things that I want to throw in there. Um, you mentioned maybe they're trying to get somebody from the Chiefs staff, and that's why they're going to wait till the end of the Super Bowl. Brendan Daly, linebackers coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, is a candidate for the position. They did interview him. I like the idea of Brendan Daly. Again, coming from the Spags tree, that's why I'm excited about it. Like you just mentioned, he's worked under Steve Spagnuolo. We know Steve Spagnuolo is a great defensive mind. Brendan Daly is well-respected, has a lot of glowing reviews if you read about him. Um, it could be a guy that re-implements that Steve Spagnuolo defense to New York, where it belongs. Uh, I'll just mention that. I wish Steve Spagnuolo never left, though I do understand why he did. But that defense is nasty. I love his defensive unit, and it is that 4-3 pass-rushing, attack-heavy defense. But it's a great one, and Brendan Daly could probably re-implement that. And again, it seems like he might be um, near the top of their candidates now that Denard Wilson is gone. Although, like we said, um, of course, Joe Shane mentioned at the Senior Bowl that he hopes to have that hiring done this week. That's not going to be possible if he wants to hire Brendan Daly. Uh, So could he maybe be looking at Shane Bowen? I know that they interviewed him, defensive coordinator for the Titans last season. Maybe that's who they're planning on hiring. It's possible. I'll tell you guys, that wouldn't move me. That would not thrill me. I wouldn't like that hiring a whole lot. I think that's, if you want to talk about unimaginative, which is kind of how people are describing the Leslie Frazier hiring, I'll tell you, I think Shane Bowen's pretty unimaginative, personally. Um, And then I just want to touch on Leslie Frazier, because I know I've been advocating for him on the podcast, and I know it's kind of like a moot point, because the Giants haven't even interviewed him. But I think that they should, and I think that it's ridiculous that they haven't. And I know a lot of Giants fans keep saying that they don't want the Giants to interview Leslie Frazier, and I just don't understand it. And so I tweeted today, uh, why don't you guys want Leslie Frazier to be hired? Like, why do you want? Why do you not want him interviewed? If you look at his stats, and I'll pull it up again, Alex, I know that we were talking about this before we started recording. If you look at Leslie Frazier's stats, when he was with the Buffalo Bills as their defensive coordinator, he finished 26th in defense the first year he was there. All right, I get it. Not so great. Then second, then third, then 14th, then first, then sixth. So basically, he had a top 10 defense nearly every single season that he was there. They finished top 10 in interceptions forced every single season. They finished top 10 in takeaways every single season. So I've also seen people say he's a bend, don't break defense. No, he's not. Top 10 in takeaway every single season. He's forcing turnovers. His defenses are damn good. He's a great coach, head coaching experience, assistant head coaching experience. So the other thing that I've seen people say is, well, I don't want him because there was 13 seconds left against the Kansas City Chiefs and Travis Kelsey got a free release and the Chiefs went and won that game. Guys, do your research. I'll read you a direct quote here. According to one NFL insider, it was actually Sean McDermott who called the defense for the Buffalo Bills on the infamous 13-second drive. You cannot blame Leslie Frazier for a head coach 
who, and I think this is probably one of the reasons why uh, Brian Dable didn't get along with uh, Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott decided to take the play calling duties from Leslie Frazier for the final drive of the game, take control, and that's why they let up a 13-second drive to lose to the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs. It wasn't Leslie Frazier's fault, so don't blame him for that. I think Leslie Frazier is a great coach. Everywhere he goes, elite defenses. If he came to the New York Giants, I have zero doubts in my mind that the Giants defense would turn out elite. However, again, it's a moot point. They haven't interviewed him. I hope they do. I hope they extend this search into next week and maybe even further to make sure that they get this hiring right. I don't want Joe Shane to just feel like he has to get a hiring in as soon as possible. I know that we kind of discussed that recently, Alex, and you were saying they got to get a move on this so that they could start scouting different players and with the right scheme in mind and everything. I I, I get that argument, but really, I just think they need to get this hiring right, and they need to get the right guy in the building. Um, and for me, that's Leslie Frazier. Maybe it's Brendan Daly. I like that name. But maybe it's Shane Bowen in the eyes of Joe Shane. Uh, that's totally possible. So I'm sure that we'll get some more updates over the weekend, and maybe we'll get a hiring over the weekend. That's possible. Um, maybe we won't. Maybe it will come after the Super Bowl because they're going to stick it out and wait for Brendan Daly. Or maybe they are going to start adding some other names to this list of candidates. And, of course, if they do that, we'll update you right here on Fireside Giants. So make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you listen to Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. We apologize for any of our Daniel Jones slander. Please don't kill us in the comment section. We still love you, and we hope that you love us. We'll catch you all in the next one. Have a good one, and let's go Giants. Mm-hmm.